0: All right, uh, at this time, if you can open up your Bibles to uh, the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Uh, We're continuing in our series uh, through the fruit of the Spirit, and today's fruit is kindness, kindness. Uh, So let's give our full attention as I read God's holy word for us. Starting at verse 16. With his passions and desires, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is God's word, Amen. You know, uh, as a pastoral staff, we get assigned our passages uh, months ahead. And when I was uh, when I found out that I was going to get the fruit of kindness, uh, to be honest, I was like. Uh... You know, um, it's kind of like the, the yellow and orange starbursts, right? No one really cares for them, right? Uh, the pink and the red, right? They're the ones that are, that are popular. Uh, and we're kind of in the middle of the series, and, and we're here at Kindness. And it's just such an ambiguous, squishy, like we don't really know what, what Kindness is. Um, and, and so I was a little underwhelmed <laughs> getting this. Um, topic and this fruit but as I was studying and looking more into this fruit of kindness uh, I was blown away uh, by the power of this fruit Uh, that it has the power to change and transform lives Uh, and this is a fruit that our culture and our world is in desperate shortage of Um, kindness is what the world needs more than ever and that's the conclusion that I came to in my studies and so there are four questions for us that I want to to answer, first is what is kindness? Secondly, what is the opposite of kindness and what is its counterfeit? Uh, the third question is why do we need this more than ever? And lastly, how do we get it? How do we get it? So, what is kindness? In you know, my son's elementary school's uh, theme last year and this year was kindness. Uh, they have what's called a great kindness challenge. And actually, 100 countries and over 20,000 schools nationwide participated in this great kindness challenge. And what they're trying to do is cultivate a culture of kindness among students and faculty. And they're doing a pretty good job. And so at home, Jane and I were trying to change the verbiage. Uh, we're, We're trying to say, hey, be kind. Be kind to your sister. Oh, that's not kind. And so we're trying to implement Uh, This idea of kindness, even at home. Uh, To quote one of the counselors that headed up this movement, this is what she says So many of the acts were simple gestures of politeness, a kind word, thinking of someone else before themselves. We are learning kindness is really about consideration of others. Simple acts of courtesy can shift a culture. And I agree uh, with that quote. Uh, but along with that, we, we have these ideas of random acts of kindness, right? Paying it forward, right? As you're on the Starbucks line, you pay for the coffee uh, of the person that, that ordered behind you, right? Random acts of kindness. And I think there's definitely some, some good and benefits to these concepts and to these uh, movements, right, of kindness. But is that what Paul had in mind when he said the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, Uh, Is there a difference in our world's understanding of kindness and the Christians? And the answer is yes. Uh, There is a very strong distinction, uh, a fundamental difference in how the Bible explains what kindness is. See, in the Bible, kindness is not uh, just random charitable acts. Rather, it's a core characteristic of who God is. If we look at his relationship with his covenant people, we're going to see this word keep coming up over and over again, that God is kind. It is a covenantal concept. It is a deeply relational concept. It is not random. It's actually quite intentional. God's kindness is intentional. So we need to look at his relationship with his covenant people to understand what biblical and gospel-centered kindness looks like. See, the word that we will see in the Old Testament of this word kindness is hesed. Hesed, it means God's steadfast love. Another translation is his loving kindness. Over and over again, this is used to describe God's dealing with his people. His steadfast love, his loving kindness is a covenantal word. So when and where do we see God's kindness being displayed in the Bible? Actually, it's not when Israel is behaving well. It's actually not when Israel is bearing fruit and doing good things. It's not when they're being obedient. It's actually when they're not. We're seeing this word come up over and over again. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. This is talking about the Exodus. They stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and has said, abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. God's loving kindness is displayed when his people are rebelling against him. Think about it. The exodus, we've been in the series. God did amazing things to rescue his people from 400 years of slavery. And at this point in the wilderness, people are pointing leaders, hey, let's go back. Imagine the betrayal that God felt. But we read that God was said, steadfast love. He forgave. He showed them mercy. Here's how I, like to, how I would like to define kindness Kindness is an act of good extended to those that are undeserving. Let me say that one more time. Kindness is an act of good extended to those that are undeserving. Because God could have easily destroyed his people because they were grumbling. They were complaining about the gift that he he gave them. He could have destroyed it. But instead, Moses prayed and he interceded on behalf of his people. And we are told that God relented. He forgave. He showed his kindness by not destroying them. Last week, we learned about the fruit of patience. Here's a distinction, right? If patience is not doing the wrong things in difficult circumstances, kindness then is doing good to difficult people. Do you see the difference? So much of patience is just showing restraint. right? In the time of waiting, Right? You're not taking matters into your own own hands. You're not doing the wrong thing. Right? It's showing restraint. Not doing the things that uh, that that you shouldn't do is what patience is. Kindness, right, is is showing good. Is doing good to difficult people. Kindness is showing grace and charity and generosity to those we deem undeserving. See, gospel kindness is radical. It's so subversive. It's not just performing good deeds to people, but it's doing good to those that actually hate us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 48. This is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What good is kindness to the people that we love? Anyone does that. Anyone can do that. But gospel kindness is radically different. It's showing kindness to those that actually hate you. So, if gospel kindness is measured by how we treat those that we, don't li- uh, those that we don't like, the question is how kind are you? Do you possess this radical fruit of gospel kindness? Think about your overbearing boss, your backstabbing coworker, those who talk behind your back your in-laws who are constantly overstepping their boundaries, your community group member that just has a loose mouth and just shares all the dirty laundry, your spouse who does nothing around the house, your frenemy, right, your friends that, that hurt you. Do you show kindness to these individuals that are difficult to love? So kindness is extending goodness to those we deem undeserving. So, what is the opposite and the counterfeit of kindness? Let's start first with the opposite of kindness Ephesians 4 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul here provides a list, a description of what the opposite of kindness is. Being unforgiving, hateful, vengeful, gossiping, wanting the worst for others. You're holding on to grudges. You're sinning to those that sin against you. It's like a tit-for-tat kind of mentality. You do me wrong, I'll wrong you. See, the opposite of kindness is actually cruelty and wishing ill will on others. It's, it's unnatural to be kind. It's actually quite natural to be unkind, is it not? Especially when we've been wronged. Now, when Jane and, Jane and I, when we fight and she hurts me honestly, I find ways to hurt her back. Uh, it's just an honest confession. And the way that I do that is by isolating myself and being non-responsive to her text messages, completely ignoring her. And actually, I do the same to my kids. When my kids hurt me, you know, I'm sensitive. My kids can't hurt me, right? right? When they offend me, when they talk back to me, I do the exact same. I give them my cold shoulder. I hide in my room. I want to hurt them back. That is what's natural. For me, in those moments to show kindness, to show grace, to forgive, to, to do good, it's just so unnatural. You hurt me, I, I want to pay you back opposite of kindness is cruelty and wishing ill will so what is the counterfeit then the counterfeit of kindness it's actually niceness niceness what is niceness we use this word all the time this before this whole uh, you know kindness great kindness challenge the word that Jane and I use at home is Deacon that's not nice Devin that's not nice hey be nice to each other what, what is niceness have you ever thought of it I thought kindness was a squishy term. Niceness is even even more squishy and spongy, right? We live in a culture of niceness. You need to accept everyone else's views, right? And that's the new definition of what tolerant means. You can't only listen to someone else's viewpoint. You actually have to accept it and even like it. We live in a culture of niceness today see kindness and niceness is not the same thing don't make that mistake Barry Corey who is the president of Biola University wrote a powerful book called love kindness and I really recommend this book to you this is what he says about niceness niceness may be pleasant but it lacks conviction it has no soul Niceness trims its sails to prevailing cultural winds and wanders aimlessly, standing for nothing, thereby falling for everything. So good. I think he's spot on. We live in a culture of niceness. You disagree with me, you're my enemy. You can't accept my views, you're my enemy. See, niceness is agreeing with a friend when you know that they're wrong. Niceness is keeping someone employed when they're failing your company. Niceness is letting a brother and sister continue in their sins because you want to maintain a friendship. That is what niceness is. It's soft. It's squishy. It's compromising. And unfortunately, there are a lot of churches, for the sake of niceness, have diluted the gospel and diluted scripture. We've seen churches fold under the pressure of this nice culture so that they can... more accepting of everyone see kindness is altogether different if niceness is soft on both the inside and the outside kindness is firm on the inside but soft on the outside this is how barry corey puts it the core is hard it's solid but our speech our actions are soft Notice Paul's words earlier in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 25-28. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For it remembers one of, an- uh, one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Do you see the the, the difference between niceness and kindness? Niceness leaves out the truth in order to love, which ultimately is unloving. Kindness speaks the truth in love. Kindness means standing firm on your convictions. Kindness means disagreeing with a friend when you know that they're wrong. It means letting an employee go because they're not the right fit. Kindness may look like rebuking, lovingly rebuking a friend who's in sin. See, if you look at the Bible, there's no Bible verse, there's no command of God that says, Thou shall be nice to one another. There are tons of passages that cause us to be kind to one another. See, the problem with me is that I'm nice. That's the label that I have at this church. D.C.'s the nice pastor, right? He's the approachable one. <laughs> Baby agreed. See, I don't know why I'm, labeled, uh, why I'm labeled nice. Maybe it's the way that I look. I'm not sure. But, you know, my, my hope is that I'm a, a kind pastor, actually, that I speak the truth in love. And that we are a kind church, that we speak the truth in love to one another we stand firm on the gospel truth we stand firm the convictions that the bible gives to us and we don't conform and compromise our world is desperate our world is in desperate shortage of gospel kindness which brings us to our third question why do we need this more than ever it's more and more apparent, it's so, much, it's so clear that we're living in a post-Christian America. We are the minority culture. And we, I mean, Bible-believing, gospel-celebrating, confessional church. That's who we are at All Nations. We believe this is the inerrant word of God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only one that can save us. We believe that this is God's instruction for us to live a joyful life, which means we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. These are unpopular. We are criticized, actually, for this. We're labeled, we're labeled as bigots because of this. How can you be so narrow? How can you be so rigid? And our religious freedoms right now, is in jeopardy. There are crazy talks out there, right? Christian schools, organizations, businesses may come under fire. To be a confessing believer of Jesus Christ may be more difficult than ever in the years to come. And the political landscape does not make it easy for us to be kind. Lines are so strongly drawn between the left and the right, the conservatives and the liberals. Unfortunately, this has caused confusion to the world about what Christianity is. Because there are politicians running their campaigns and trying to get their uh, bills passed on the label of Christianity, on their Christian faith. And that is confusing people of what the Christian faith is like. And politics have truncated the Christian faith. So if you're pro-life, that must mean you're anti-woman, right? If you're if you're uh, if you're for if you're anti same-sex marriage, then you must mean you're it must mean that you're anti-human rights. It's it's crazy because I'm for welcoming immigrants. That must mean you don't you don't care about protection and safety. Do you you see this is the world that we're living in? It's one or the other. And it's making it difficult for the church. It's making it difficult for those that believe in Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel because people think this or that. And I want to caution us, do not confuse policy with the gospel. There's only one gospel Jesus came down for sinners. He died for sinners. He rose again for sinners. And those that place their faith and trust in him are saved. That's it? There's no law. There's no bill out there that is the gospel truth. So how are we going to respond when we're going to get more and more pushback from our culture of being a Christian, of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? How are we going to respond? There are two common responses that I've seen. First is aggression. Because Christians are now backed into a corner, they need to come out firing. It's their counterattack. It's their counterpunch. Oh, yeah? This is what the Bible says. And they just thump the Bible over people's heads. Aggression. Instead of engaging in civil conversations and listening to other people and trying to understand their point of view, you're like, I don't want to hear it you're wrong, and you bash the Bible over their heads. And those churches, often what they do is they just silo themselves. They become insular. We can't trust what's out there, so I'm just going to stay confined within the church walls. Second response, which is not how we should respond, is compromise. And I share this already. We conform, we blend in with culture. Right? Because of the fear of rejection and being labeled intolerant, churches have abandoned the biblical truths and accommodated to the cultural demands. And we see this all the time. We either isolate ourselves or we assimilate. Neither is what God calls us to. Now, I'm not saying this is easy, brothers and sisters being in the world and not of the world is extremely hard and i've i've shared this before it's like hey jump in the pool but don't get wet it's hard that's why we need help we need his help when we're placed in a difficult situation when persecution or opposition is on the rise we're called to stand firm in the gospel truth but to act in kindness firm center Soft exterior. See, kindness stops us from retaliating. But kindness also stops us from compromising. Barry Corey, in his book, he continues to share that the goal of kindness is not to be received. The goal of kindness is to be receivable. Let me say that one more time. The goal of kindness is not for someone to receive me, but it's to place myself in a position to be receivable. July uh, 2016 in Johnson City, Tennessee, people from the Black, Live, uh, Black Lives Matter movement started protesting at a Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A at that time came out with their own campaign, Blue Lives Matter. And so in response to Chick-fil-A, all these Black Lives Matter protesters came out right, just, just angry at Chick-fil-A. Do You know what the, the, the manager and the employees did in that hot, it's hot on July, in, July, uh, in July in Tennessee. They brought lemonade for them. They brought out lemonade for free. Because it's hot. And they must be thirsty. Radical kindness. Now, did the Black Lives Matter movement all jump on the Blue Lives Matter uh, bandwagon? Absolutely not. Chick-fil-A's objective was not for them to, to receive and adopt... And believe in what they believe. But what they were doing is, is they want to be receivable. Right? To, to, have, to have conversations, to show kindness and love to these people that disagree with them. See, it's not about people receiving us, but rather it's being a church that is receivable. Are you a receivable Christian? Are you, are, are you a Christian that wants to be received? Are you willing to stand by your conviction but at the same time willing to learn to hear the brother or sister that's struggling with same-sex attraction? Are you willing to sit across the table and talk to someone that, 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 that's pro-choice and listen to their argument? Even though people mistreat you, will you show grace and generosity? The kindness is a tall order. And it's so unnatural in our current climate. It's so hard. So this brings us to our last question. So then how do we get it? How do we get this radical gospel kindness? And like all the fruits, this fruit is a supernatural fruit. To not retaliate and not to compromise when living in a world that is hostile towards you, right, instead of being generous and gracious is impossible. So how can we bear this fruit of kindness? First, we have to experience it from the source. We have to experience kindness from the source. We have to come to know and experience God's kindness. In other words, we first need to receive it before we can bear it. Titus chapter 3, verse 47. When the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared... He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and uh, renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Kindness is costly, because kindness is like mercy. And mercy is costly. See, God's kindness does not ignore sin, but actually confronts it. God cannot and will not compromise one of his attributes for the other. Which means, God being just and God being kind, he has to do that at the same moment. He can't show kindness at the expense of his justice. Right? Because God is not inconsistent. He's so consistent. So in order for God to show his kindness, he has to deal with sin. He has to make payment for that sin. And as our passage tells us, our Savior Jesus Christ made that payment. That is how we are renewed. That's how we are regenerated. We are transformed into his children by faith. See, God's justice and anger Towards our sins were directed as at His Son. Do you know where we get the clearest picture of God's justice and his kindness? You know where they meet, where they join hands? It's the cross. It's the cross. God's holy wrath poured out on Jesus Christ so that by faith we can experience forgiveness and his goodness and to be reconciled with God. This is God's kindness. On clearest display on the cross. We are undeserving. We were his enemies. But because he loved us, in kindness, he sent Jesus to save us. This is the goodness and the kindness of our God. And actually, it's for all. But the truth of the matter is, not everyone will receive his kindness. Actually, many will reject his kindness. Because God's kindness should lead us to repentance. That is what Paul says. This is the gospel invitation. Repent, turn from your sins, and trust in a Savior. And Paul tells us and warns us to not presume upon God's kindness. Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? See, God's kindness is rich. He forbears, he endures, he's patient. He gave Jesus to all the world to receive. But in this passage, there's a warning. God's kindness will not last forever. His patience will not endure forever. It will end when we die or when Jesus comes back. Either of those two things, if it happens... God's kindness is no longer offered to us. That is why today is a day for you to respond to this kindness. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know if I'm going to be hit go driving down the 210 or the 101. I have no idea. I, I can't count my days and know for sure when I'm going to die. But when I do, I know I don't have a, I don't have a chance again to respond to God's kindness. And we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. If I can talk to those today who are not Christians, you've been checking out church, you've been, you've been coming out, and you're just curious about who this Jesus is, may this be a warning to you. And I'm doing this because I love you. You don't know when your last days are. God has given us Jesus Christ because he loves us. He wants to make the payment for our sins. He wants us to experience relationship and communion with him. Today is an opportunity for you to repent. Repent. Respond the way that God meant for us to respond to his loving kindness. And that is repentance. Turn from your sin. Acknowledge you're not perfect. And trust in Jesus Christ because he is perfect. And if that's you, please do not leave the service. Right after, please come and talk to me or Pastor Paul, and we'll love to pray with you. If I can speak to the Christians, we should be the kindest people. We should be the kindest people. Why? Because we have nothing to prove. Why are we unkind? Why do we retaliate? Why do we why are we tit for tat? It's because we're insecure, are we not? The reason why we are unkind is because deeply we don't trust and believe in the gospel promises. There's nothing else that God can give us that we haven't already received in Jesus Christ. We are confident because our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. We don't have to make up for our lack of righteousness because in Jesus Christ we have perfect righteousness. We don't have to justify ourselves. Why? Because in Jesus Christ, we are justified. Christians should be the most kindest people of all. Because we have nothing to prove. The reason we are unkind is because we lack faith. And we fail to trust in the gospel promises. We should be the most secure people of all. And the most secure people don't have to win a fight. The more secure people don't have to win an argument. The more secure people don't have to fight back. Because our victory has already been won in Christ Jesus. The Bible says we've already won. So we should be kind. Firm center, soft exterior. If you're struggling today, to be kind to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your boss, to your classmate, to your spouse, to your children. The call is the same. Repent. Repent. Acknowledge that you're unkind. Acknowledge that you're insecure. Acknowledge that you don't believe in the gospel promises. And ask God to forgive you. See, the trick of the Christian life, the hack of the Christian life is that you never stop repenting. Why? Because I'm so prideful all the time. I'm so self-righteous all the time. Every day we should be repenting. Jesus says we bear fruit by keeping with repentance. And so for you, if you're a Christian today and you want more kindness, repent. Look to Jesus Christ. Look at the cross where justice and kindness meets. And be thankful and believe and trust in that promise that you are his. And nothing can take that away. Brothers and sisters, all nations, may we be kind to those that hate us, those who persecute us, who mock us and despise us, so that our kindness can point to God's kindness. That's the objective. Our kindness points others to God's kindness because people are going to ask you, hey, why don't you retaliate? Why aren't you compromising? And you could say, because of Jesus Christ because of his kindness and the life that I now have in him. Church, may we be a kind church, radically kind church. May we be radical kind Christians so that we can point people to the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I confess that I am insecure I struggle being kind to others, especially to my family, especially to those that disagree with me, who don't believe in the same doctrines that I don't, I don't believe and hold to. It's, it's a struggle, Lord, for me to be kind. God, I ask that you help me, help us as individuals, help us as a church to bear this fruit of kindness so that we can put you and the cross on display for the world to see while yet we were still sinners we were your enemies we deserved your judgment we deserved your wrath but yet you showed mercy you showed your kindness by providing a substitutionary sacrifice in your son Jesus Christ to die in our place to rise again, to conquer sin, Satan, and death, to give us a new identity, to give us security, to give us confidence in Jesus Christ. God, may we be a radically gospel-centered, kind church. We need your help. We can't do it without your Holy Spirit. So help us, Lord, to repent. Help us, Lord, to keep in step with your Holy Spirit so that we can be kind for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.